morning. Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Southern California. Welcome to the show, Scott Choppin. Hey, Victor. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Great to have you back. Now, you are involved in urban townhouse development, which we're very interested in. It's an area that we're active ourselves. Mm. Uh, but before we dive into the details, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Sure. Um, you know, briefly, I have a family background in real estate development. It's not a career you figure out on your own. You want to do that. Like, you know, that's not a book you'd get in the library. So that sort of informed me to, to you know, have that as a career possibility uh, worked professionally for some major development companies doing apartment development as a project manager. Fast forward to 2000, I formed the company that I own and manage now, Urban Pacific Group of Companies. And as you said, we were like exclusively and totally focused on a housing type that we innovated, which is called Urban Townhouse or UTH for short. And that's a five bedroom, four bathroom townhouse built to rent product. Um, and we're doing that in Southern California. And our goal is to serve middle-income working-class families to uh, live a great life for their family and do it affordably. Love it. So what is it about that particular product type? Let's talk about it from the from uh, the demand perspective mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace, but also let's even talk about it from an investor perspective. What makes that product type compelling even in today's market, which has admittedly gotten much more difficult? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, when we start, I started doing this about seven years ago, like we formulated the idea of what was UTH about seven years ago, and it was intended to serve a niche. And niches are always going to be differentiated. Value is to pick the right niche, right? You can pick a bad niche, but, you know, we're working on what we think is a good niche seven years later. So what it does is it serves families that are what we call multiple earner multiple generation families. So you think multi-generation, everybody knows what that is, two or three generations living together in the same household, but also the format of the family, multiple earner has them practice what we call economic sharing. And, you know, this happens all the time, naturally, like if you lived in roommates with roommates at ever in your life, that was economic sharing, a different version of it. And so we've always anticipated that these family groups would be resilient. In fact, we, we coined the term recession resilient housing type, i.e. UTH. And now we're seeing that. Now we did see that a little bit in 2020, 2021, as we were going through COVID and post-COVID, um, our projects you know, performed well. We had great rent collection during that time period, but that was such a fast, unusual economic shift that I, I couldn't say that was a good read. But now that we're moving into whatever environment we're in, we'll talk about that later. But basically this multiple earner structure allows these families to basically sustain the household. So three or four income earners in the family group, and they're sharing incomes and expenses across that same group. And that allows them to be resilient. So from an investor standpoint, or for us as a sponsor, that allows us to continue to do deals in an economic environment where multifamily might be considered or actually not preferable, right? If you're in a city that has population decline or job decline, you know that's a bad signal for multifamily demand, right? Those are the, what we know classically, but these units sit sort of outside of that. I mean, it's still economic principles still are active, but it basically gives these capabilities for these families to sustain their family group and continue to do okay in the middle of a recession for investors. Obviously that means deals still work. 
deals are still viable. We're still collecting rents, you know, admirably and can continue to do deals. One of the things that I like about the urban townhouse concept as distinct from your traditional fourplex that you might have seen built in the 1970s <laughs> is yeah. that a townhouse lives like a single family home. You don't feel I, like you're part of a C-class complex in any way. It really can be a very upscale product, in fact. Right, right. And so many people grew up living in a single family home. They mm-hmm. want that single family home experience. They don't want to be part of a large complex. And yet, from an economic standpoint, an urban townhouse, whether you package them in groups of four or 10, your yeah. build cost is virtually identical mm-hmm. uh, because your perimeter walls are, are minimal. And yep. so it, it's a very economic build. That's right. Yeah. In fact, you know, we, I coined the term when we first started doing this, designed and built to rent, but lives like a house. Right. So, and then, and in fact, you and I are both speaking similar language. That was build to rent as we call it today, but that didn't exist seven years ago. I mean, there was no build to rent distinction or language or anybody talking about that. Uh, and then you're exactly right. In fact, the way we think about it, you know, bedroom space is the least expensive space you can build. So we're doing five bedrooms and four bathrooms, which obviously bathrooms are expensive, but you know, the, the unit size doesn't suggest necessarily the cost effectiveness of it, but in our mind, the sort of macro style unit is, is a good build value relative to the income that can produce. In fact, I have a graph that I use where we think UTH or townhomes are at this equilibrium point of maximizing revenue while minimizing cost. And, you know, everybody's going to go, of course, that's what every deal should do. But the choice of deal informs how well that works, right? So we're, we see this in particularly our market of California. Regulatory environment is like crazy. Building codes are really intense. And so our job is to even more or do a better job of selecting product type that is going to be more cost efficient and produce equal or better value in the relative comparison to other project types. So you're one of the few rare developers that continues to have the intestinal fortitude to develop in in California and Southern California <laughs> that. Why are you still there given that you can live where you want to live and yeah. invest where the numbers make sense and where the regulatory yeah. environment favors development? I hear you. And then, then the, the narrative you are speaking is a common narrative. And I think it's true to a great degree. But I also look at it this way. So I think of Warren Buffett's the idea of a, a moat, like he calls it a you know protective mechanism for a business that makes it more profitable or able to sustain in different types of economic environments, right? And so for us, the regulatory environment is a moat, right? It keeps people out of the marketplace who aren't interested and lots of people aren't. Lots of developers go, look, no way. Lots of investors say, California to me is too hard. And so it requires us to be better than everybody else from the standpoint of picking projects, picking entitlements, building in a way that's more cost effective. And then I end with this, and this is part of the moat. When you do deliver a project, Victor, you're delivering into the most supply constrained market in the United States. And so therefore your values, the rents you can charge, the values that are produced based on those rents. And we're conscious of, you know, how we serve these families from from a standpoint of the rent that we charge, right? We always have to be mindful of that. You're mining gold in a way by being able to transact through the regulatory environment where it drops a lot of people off. They're just, they're not wanting to, and I get that, but at the same time, look, I'm a California native. My kids are fourth generation here locally in Long Beach where we live. We have this like sort of protective moat that 
allows us to, as long as we're picking the right projects, and that's the key is to survive and thrive in that environment, you have to pick the right projects. You can't just do any project because you could do one that's 10 years long and you know it's a great project, a great piece of land, great price, but it took me 10 years to get it. Well, you're you're in a losing proposition there. So it's always sort of like several variables that we pick. We're having to look through a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that doesn't work to find the stuff that does. But we're fortunate that we've been based here my entire life. My entire career has been in California, so we know it well. I love it. Well, I love what you're doing. If folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? So two ways to get a hold of me, and I would encourage uh, everybody to look at this, but I'm on uh, Twitter, at Scott Choppin, so at sign, S-C-O-T-T-C-H-O-P-P-I-N, connect with me there. And if anybody's not on real estate Twitter, I would get yourself on there. There is a group of probably 500 to 1,000 people that are like in very intense, knowledgeable operators. This is investors, LPGP sponsors, developers, consultants that all have sort of traveled together in the space and the sharing of information and knowledge is the most robust I've ever seen. We're constantly seeing and sharing ourselves information that in the old days, Victor, you, you would never share what's your bill cost, you know, what's your return on cost on a project. And, you know, people have to be careful there, but I would encourage there, but hit, you know, connect with me on Twitter. And then I would encourage people to go to our Substack. That's a, a weekly real estate plus macro newsletter that we put out. It's called The Real Signal. Um, just look at The Real Signal on Substack, go to Substack and look up that, you know, search term and then find us there. And that's a, you know, free newsletter. Um, but what that is, that's our that's the the collection of uh, economic thinking and articles that like I'm always looking at the economic cycle, Victor, and sort of like collect this stuff and just share it out to people. So it's it's uh, it can be pretty informative, and it's just really like real time stuff that we're researching and tracking ourselves. So it comes directly out of the trenches for real estate developer and fund manager. Well, I love what you're doing, and for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Scott Chopin on their Substack at The Real Signal. The link will be in the show notes as well as connect with him on Twitter. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.